Hi everybody, welcome to uh, episode 8, part 2 of Team Talk. Um, so I, I think we mentioned it on uh, on the episode on Tuesday, and I think it'll be in the description for you today anyway. But uh, today is going to be sort of continuing with the Premier League prediction. We're going to look at mine and Matt's 1-20. to 20. Uh, Obviously there's 20 teams there, so we're not going to be going into massive amount of detail as we did on Tuesday. Um, but we'll go through who we've got and we'll actually look at these toward the end of the season as well to see if either of us have got any sort of idea what we're, what we're talking about. And then we're going to look at um, sort of a Premier League manager, who we think was the greatest Premier League manager of all time. Um, I think there's a, a two or three names that jump out straight away. So we're going to have a quick chat about that. Um, and then, as usual, just finish with a, with a, few, a couple of questions each. Um, so, Matt, regarding your 1-20, to 20, we sort of know mm-hmm. relegation, we sort of know sort of title winner in, in the top four, but do you want to just quickly run through your, literally just list off your 1-20 to 20, and then obviously we can have a chat about it as we go through? Yeah, yeah. So, I'll do the 1-4 to four, and then you can just remind everyone of your 1-4. to four. Okay. So, my 1-4 to four was Man City first, um, just then Chelsea second, Liverpool third and Man United fourth. Okay, yeah, um, you broke up a little bit there when you said some at second, and I know it's Chelsea. So I've gone for Manchester City first, Manchester United second, uh, Chelsea in third place, and Liverpool in fourth place. Cool, and then I had uh, Arsenal fifth and Spurs sixth. Okay, yeah, similar. I had obviously Spurs come in fifth and Arsenal in sixth place. It's like someone's badly copied off each other in exam condition, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when you wrongly copy your kids sitting next to you in school. <laughs> just got the same stuff, just in a different order. You did send me a picture of your notepad, I'll be honest with you, and I've just edited it ever so slightly. Um, I did do that. You did. <laughs> uh, but no, these these are definitely my own, um, my, my own predictions. Um, but who have you got then just outside that space? So we'll do... If you want to, we'll finish off the top 10. So who have you got finishing 7th, 8th, 9th and 10th? I'm going to do a top 9, if that's all right. Okay. Something that I've realised when I was doing this. So 7, I obviously signed a couple more players today. Okay. Um, Leicester. I've got Leicester as uh, number 8. I just think that Leicester, although they're one of them teams that they're not necessarily making any signings that are going to make you drop your jaw, they've still got some great players and... I thought they'd have fell away by now. They haven't, and now they're they're starting to sign some some players over the last couple of seasons. They always play good football, and they're one of those teams. I mentioned Southampton a couple of episodes ago. They keep finding the player. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They keep finding that player out there that comes. It Mares, Kante, Vardy. They've all come from there. Madison now, Schmeichel. They've all done a job. And then I had Wolves just after I, but that's kind of where I have Wolves at number nine and. I mean, really, you could argue Everton, Leicester and Wolves could be in any order. I've got no doubt that you've probably got them in any order. But, um, you know, after that, number nine, like I was looking at who else is in the rest of the of the league there and you could possibly argue maybe West Ham, purely based on the size of the club, should be in top 10. But apart from that, like, I was looking at this thinking, is there a bit of a gap developing now between the top half and the bottom half and not just a, a small gap because obviously anyone can beat anyone on the day but just in terms of size of the clubs I mean Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, West Ham sorry, not West Ham, Man United even West Ham actually Arsenal, Spurs, Everton and ignore Leicester but then Wolves 
they've all had some major, major investment over the last couple of years. And they're all now in the obviously top half of the Premier. You look at the rest of the league, Southampton, Sheffield United, Palace, Brighton, Burnley, Newcastle, Leeds, Villa, Fulham, West Brom. They've not had anywhere near the amount of investment that the others have had. And it just looks to me now like money's talking and, and it's getting you towards top half of the league. Yeah, no, mate, seven, eight, nine. Uh, you've obviously got Everton and Leicester, Wolves. I've got Wolves, Everton, Leicester. So, again, I think, it, no, like... <laughs> I think like you said, it's, it's going to be very close um, between... And, and I think even with our Tottenham and Arsenal and that sort of three after the Man City, th- th- that could be... You could mix those up either way. I think I think we've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. But I've, I've made a quick note that I think the Wolves, Everton, Leicester pack, that sort of seven, eight, nine they're going to be the teams ready to jump into Europe. If one of those top six slip up, one of those three will jump in. They'll, they'll, they'll not, they're not going to be that far off where it's going to be. Like if Arsenal finish eighth again, do you know what I mean? There's definitely going to be one of those three, if not all three of them above Arsenal. Um, and, and I get what mm-hmm. you're saying as well. That sort of gap there from ninth place. I mean, I've got... I'll, I'll run off the rest of mine anyway. Well, I'll go... What I've sort of done is I've got 10, 11, 12 together because I feel like they've just got enough not to be in a relegation battle. But then the bottom eight, I feel like any of them could go down. So 10, 11, 12, yeah. I've sort of gone Southampton. Um, yeah, I've got them. Yeah, Southampton, I've got 11th, to be honest with you. Um, Sheffield, okay. Sheffield, I've got them 10th. Yeah, okay. And then Sheffield United, I've got 12th, because I feel like... I've got them 11th. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. And, um, and I've got in 10th place, I've got Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's exactly about Crystal Palace. I've got them twelve. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I am serious. <laughs> Mate, we're supposed to cause some sort of debate here. We can't just agree with each other the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um yeah, so that's trying to fool everybody here. No one's gonna catch on. Let's put them in a different order. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um so yeah, we've sort of agreed on top twelve then and then I'll just reel off my we we've obviously sort of agreed that Sort of agreed on the whole league here, mate. Yeah, and I think from 12th, I mean, I've got Leeds, Burnley, Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle just out of the relegation zone, Fulham, Villa, and then West Brom at the bottom. So for me, that any of those bottom eight, it could, be, it could be the other way around. It could be Burnley. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Leeds, Burnley, Brighton that went down. That, that bottom eight for me is sort of where I find that the other teams are, are just good enough to be out of that sort of situation. But you get you get teams come up, they have a good first season and then they go down. So Sheffield United will be an interesting one. They've lost Dean Henderson. Obviously, he's gone back to sort of Manchester United. They've signed, I think they signed Bournemouth's goalkeeper and we've already spoken about... Yeah, sort of, there, yeah. yeah, we've already spoken about the effect of signing sort of relegated players. Newcastle, I think, confirmed Callum Wilson and the winger as well, Ryan Fraser, I Fraser. think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, relegated players. So I don't see... They're good players. They're probably the better of the team, of the Bournemouth team that went down. But it, that team still went down. So the fact that the whole Premier League's now just picking off their players, it's it's not as if Man City got relegated for like Juve back in the day when they did the sort of paying off the referee. This is Bournemouth. They deserved to go down. They were rubbish. So that I never got. But how does yeah. your sort of bottom end of the table look? How What order have you sort of got it this may surprise you, but it's a little bit different to what you've got. Okay. Um, so rather than having like a bottom eight, I've got like a bottom four and then like a middle 10 to 16. I'm trying to work this out here <laughs> in my maths. Um, <laughs> I did go to school. Um, I think that 
New, I've got Southampton, Sheffield United, Palace in 10, 11, 12. Then I've got Brighton. I think Brighton are going to have a better year. That manager Brighton have got, yeah. me. he's a good manager, Graham Potter. I mean, I don't know how much you know about him or how much everyone knows about him, but he, he was basically a nobody that real-life football managed his way into the job that he's got <laughs> now. He took over absolutely nobody. I think it was in 2010, Ostersund or some, something like that. They're in Division 4 of Sweden. And by 2015, he had them in the Premiership of Sweden. Okay, it's not the most watched league in the world. But 2017, he had them in the Europa League winning. I think they beat Galatasaray or something. And they played Arsenal. I don't know if you remember, they played Arsenal, I think. I don't think they won. But I think he's just going to get better and better. And I don't think, if they have a good season and finish mid-table higher than they did last year, he could be someone that someone like Tottenham maybe has a look at. Um thinking Tottenham could end up, you know, not, not doing as well as maybe people might think this year. He could end up going to Tottenham, maybe. Um, I've got West Ham. West Ham, the, just the size of the club and the money they've invested, they should be higher than they've been finishing recently. Burnley next, and then Newcastle. I do think they'll both, they've both got enough to get out of it. They're both tough teams. We mentioned a lot about Newcastle the last episode. Um, Burnley's just a workman-like team, and I, I think they'll eventually... They'll break clear. And then I think the bottom four, I think it could be a situation where I think West Brom could go down with a very low amount of points. Fulham, not far behind them. And then Villa and Leeds kind of battle it out, but not battling it out, you know, toward getting towards that magical 40 points. I really think they could be on like 32, 33 points there. And like I said, I do think Leeds will stay up, but I, I think they'll be, I think Newcastle will probably get 40, 42 points. And I think by one or two games, left to go, Newcastle will be safe and it will just be between Leeds and Villa with Fulham and West Brom gone. Yeah, so we've, we've kind of had a very similar, I mean, don't get me wrong, but they, 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 in chunks we've got similar teams and, and I think even with my bottom eight, they could very easily be rearranged. To It would not surprise me if it was literally the other way around. But um, just to touch on Newcastle, because uh, my cousin listened to the uh, episode part one, episode eight, and obviously he's a Newcastle fan, wasn't best pleased with the... Um, the conversation we had about them, more myself, obviously mentioning that they're um, one of my surprise candidates to go down. Now, for me, it wouldn't surprise me if they went down. It wouldn't, but they they have got good players. They've got you, I mean, you Saint Maximum, Almiron. Um, they've got a, a decent squad, and yes, the players they've brought in are probably the better of the relegated bunch. But I just didn't see enough last season for, to make me think. Well, if I was a Newcastle fan, I would not be confident we'd be staying in the Premier League. Because there's some good teams no. coming up. Leeds have come up; they're investing heavily. All the sort of teams down there are sort of. Do you know what I mean they've got good squads? Apart from just sort of West Brom, and and like I said, if Grealish doesn't really play how he, he did last season, I think I think for me West Brom and Villa are probably the main two that will go down. But other than that, I mean, like I said, there's, I think there's going to be a good seven or eight teams down there battling it out. Um, and Newcastle, unfortunately, could be one of those. They could prove me wrong. Like I said, Callum Wilson is he's a, he's a good player. He's a massive improvement on Joel Linton, who they've got up there at the minute. They could prove me wrong. Newcastle could easily finish, do you know what I mean, in the top sort of 11, 12. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. But on the flip side, if they went down, it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me at all. Um, if they finish mid-table, they've had a good season. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully over time, they'll... They'll get better, and obviously it's great city. I get another one town, one team town. But are, are they better than any of those top nine that we've mentioned? No, 
Yeah. Would you expect them to be get more points than Southampton and Crystal Palace over 38 games? I probably wouldn't. If West Ham get get themselves together and, and start performing, I'd expect them to finish higher. And straight away, that puts them, what, 13th? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Over time, hopefully, they do well. Because obviously, they are a great club and they've got great fans. But one of my one of my good friends is a Newcastle fan as well. And he says it himself, you know, that... It's just the way it is. They've got to build slowly, obviously. We wish the takeover would have happened because we like seeing that. We mentioned about that in the very first episode, how exciting it is, even if other teams sign good players. But everyone's signing players. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they probably have signed the best two players that Bournemouth had, but they're still the best two players that Bournemouth had. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've got to be better this year. And I think you hit the nail on the head where if they finish mid-table they've had a good season, which to me is what you'd say about a yeah. club that could potentially go down. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. And then I think you, you've um, you, you worded it perfectly there. So, yeah, in terms of the leagues, we've, we've obviously got them jotted down. It's obviously recorded now anyway. So we'll, we'll sort of revisit this as, as the season goes on to see how it's sort of, how it's sort of looking. But um, are you OK? We'll move on to the sort of deck section where we look at the sort of Premier League Manager of uh, the best Premier League manager of all time. Um, I think, like I said, yeah, it's, sure, yeah. it's sort of a name that's going to spring to mind. Um, 11 Manager of the Season awards, uh, LMA Manager of the Decade, two Champions League titles. I feel like I'm about to announce a boxer. Two Champions League titles, <laughs> 13 Premier League titles, five FA Cups, four League Cups. Um, for me, it's, it's no doubt. I mean, you've got your, your other names in there, your, your Vengas, your Jose's, Peps, etc. But for me, there's, a, there's only one that can be considered the best Premier League manager of all time, and that's uh, obviously Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, oh, I, I thought you were reeling off my championship manager 99 2000 uh, CV, to be honest with you then. <laughs> obviously, I got that completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was about to introduce Matthew Rook. Um well, you know. No, but yeah, no, I, I didn't want to talk too much about him because obviously everyone's expecting me to just ramble on now. I could sit here and talk. I've read his sort of biography. I've seen documentaries on him and obviously, um, obviously massive, massive part of football from, for me growing up. Um, but for me, it was always one of the things with Ferguson and, and people, depending on how you look at it, might laugh, but he always, he, all those titles, all the wins, all, all the entertaining football, they weren't always, he didn't always have the best team to do it with it was your, your Park Ji-sung your Anderson your John O'Shea West Brown sort of he didn't always have the best team I can remember a lineup where I think we beat Arsenal 8-2 and there was Raphael and Fabio De Silva in the team as wingers and Darren Gibb I can't remember we, 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 we beat them 8-2 anyway there was another time we beat them and there was a really poor squad and and one thing I always say about Ferguson, he didn't. I mean, people laugh. Man United didn't really spend a lot of money, and and how I mean that is because it annoys me. The Man City and the Chelsea. The reason I've got a little bit of hatred towards them, and yeah, they're rivals, and yeah, they're challenging for the league titles, etc. But they had owners come in, massive injection of cash. They bought their way to get where they are. Ferguson took over Manchester United, and I'm pretty sure they were close to relegation. He earned the right to be able to spend money. He made Manchester United the biggest club in the world. So the money that we got, we, we, we grafted through those years to get to the point where he made Manchester United such a big brand 
the money that came in, what are you supposed to do with it? Not spend the money that you've earned through grafting to sort of get this. So for me, yeah, there was big signings. And yeah, since he's gone, I think you mentioned it a few episodes ago, there's that sort of, we have to make a big signing every summer to try and fix the mess. Um, and since he's gone... Mm, Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal, I think you've said it about thingy as well. But yeah, no, similar to Arsenal with Pepe last season, you said Aubameyang and Ozil and Alexis Sanchez as well as another one. Ferguson mm-hmm. didn't do that at Manchester United. I can remember there was a season we just brought in Michael Carrick from Tottenham. Um, and we didn't win the league for about four years, and then we won the league three years on the bounce just with that one signing. So, um, yeah, for me, best manager ever. Um, he got the best out of players you wouldn't consider were great players. He'd make them look like great players. Uh, won a lot of trophies. Um, yeah, just not much more I can say about him, to be honest. But, yeah, I don't know if you um, agree, well, A, agree with that, and B, if there's anything else you wanted to add. Yeah, I mean, he, he gets my vote. Obviously, I met him, you know, once. Um, I was just a kid. I was at their training ground. Obviously, tried to get in the team, but that failed. <laughs> um, but he um, he was just phenomenal. And, and there's something about the class of 92, a couple of points. The class of 92, obviously, you've seen that documentary. I've seen it. Everyone's probably seen it. I remember Gary Neville saying something like, you know, Ferguson said to me, in three weeks' time, we've got a game. And I need you ready for that game. And he went out of that meeting super excited, thinking, right, I'm needed. For, for that game. It was completely... He'd been probably dropped for three weeks and probably playing Champions League and the Cup in the midweek. He's probably out of the team for six, seven games there, but he's fired up for that one game. And there's certain people in life, and I just, obviously, without getting too philosophical, I know I experience this. There's certain people, probably older figures, that I don't know why, but if it really comes down to it, you'll just... Not just in football, just in like You'll just... You'll lay everything out for them. You'll put everything on the line for them. Bobby Robson was another one of those people. They just—I don't know how they do it. There's got an aura about them that they just—they have respect, and you, you listen. You want to play for them. You want to do well for them, even if it could be at work. You want to do well for that person. And Alex Ferguson was that person. It's, it's, his players—they—they they just threw everything out for him. You know, they, they would do whatever he said. There'd be no questions. If there was a question, he knew exactly what to do. It's almost like he he, he had a, a script for every single scenario. You never you never saw a player really come out and badmouth him regularly. And when they did, they were gone and the rest of the, and they were gone. They weren't just, there wasn't a massive media saga about it, about how, you know, drag out for months and months and, and all this stuff going on during the summer. They were gone, move on. And even if yeah. they were winning, you know, they'd be winning. He had the intelligence and the forward thinking to think, okay, well, like we were talking about Liverpool last episode, Liverpool haven't really signed anyone. They're probably going to play the same team next year they did this year. Okay, they might do well next year, but what about after that? Ferguson would think, well, okay, I could probably keep this team and probably win next year and maybe compete the year after, but then I've got a problem. Rather than do that and win for two years and then struggle for three, he would change the team, like when he brought all the kids in, maybe struggle for one year, but then win for six. And yeah. that was the kind of forward thinking that he had. There's never been anyone like him, and there probably never will be. But Another one, obviously, great, Bobby Robson. You know, absolutely fantastic. Again, what, was, what he did for global football, bringing people through, like, like the original Ronaldo, that England team. I think everyone loved that England team that he had in the 90s, the Newcastle team. Even I was rooting for that Newcastle team. You know, yeah. when they were going to the San Siro and 
turning it around. I think they lost the first three Champions League games and they were nearly out. And that Newcastle team with Shearer and Bellamy all in there. I think they won the next three games and got got out of the group stage. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, but yeah, that was that was my opinion on Ferguson. But I mean, another manager I liked was um, was Sam Allardyce. I don't know what your opinion is on Sam Allardyce. Um, not much of an opinion to be honest. I know in terms of the Premier League, maybe not the last two or three years, but he was sort of ever present. Um, the best probably memory of him is is sort of when Man United were, when I was just getting into football and we were going for them league titles in 2005 and six, and uh, his Blackburn team were incredible. Mm. The, the Morton Gams Pedersen, I remember him and that team was always, um, oh no, it was, it was Bolton. Sorry, it was his Bolton team that, that I remember mm. we had, an, had an Elker up front. That was his team. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, it was that Bolton. Sorry, it was Mark Hughes. That was another one I was thinking of. I was going to mention him. That's why I jotted down Blackburn, but uh, Mark Hughes, I think, had a, a good few years. Went to Manchester City and just proved that he maybe can't manage at the top level. Um, not really sure where he's where he's gone since then. But no, Sam Allardyce, yeah, that Blackburn, sorry, the Bolton team, always a difficult game. Uh, I think he had a crack at Newcastle as well. It didn't really go to plan. Um, he, he's been in and out of the scene, and obviously, the, the, he got the England job as well, which I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought, oh, this this. I wasn't impressed with the appointment, but I was happy for him in a way. I thought, he's, you know, like if Redknapp, Harry Redknapp got it, I'd be buzzing for him. I think he should have had a shot at some point to be England manager. Um, so when Sam Allardyce did get it, I, whilst I was a bit, oh, is, is the football going to be good enough? Is he going to be able to do it? He's never managed a big team, etc., etc. When that whole thing came out about someone caught him saying something, which I think was a massive overreaction, by the way, um, he lost the job and I think he had one game. I think he's got the best win ratio as an England manager, 100%. One game, one win. So you can't fault the guy. Oh, sorry, guys, audio just cut us off there. Um, back to normal now. Um, but yeah, it's just talking about obviously finishing off with Sam Allardyce and obviously the sort of England job and how I was a little bit buzzing for him at the time. But again, I wasn't so optimistic to the point where I thought he'd do well. I just thought he deserved the chance. And like I said, with with Redknapp, I thought he did as well. So, uh, Matt, what's your thoughts on Allardyce? I know you've, uh, you're have you quite a big fan of his. Massive fan. Uh, although Ferguson, I think, is probably the best manager of all time, Allardyce is certainly my favourite. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but, I mean, the guy was... I've read his book and I knew about him already. And it, he, again, he was another forward thinker. He was massively into sports science. One of the first people that brought that into the English game. I know people talk about Wenger bringing it in as well around a similar time. But you look at the careers that Allardyce extended. I mean, that Bolton team that you mentioned earlier, you know, that that was full of people like Dean Olsworth. He was a nobody, really. Wimbledon's striker, as they went down, they left him. He was there. Hierro, Campo, Ngotti, Djorkaev, Akotcha. They all went there and they all performed. They didn't just turn up for six months. They were there for years. Yeah, Nolan. You know I mean? Nolan there as well was a big player. Right? He's someone that I remember being a big part of that team. And, and mm-hmm. Davis. Exactly. Yeah. And... Kevin Davis, Kevin Davis, mate, he broke into the England team. Kevin Davis, do you know what I mean? He he started his career at Chesterfield. He never really went anywhere after after he left Bolton. Kevin Davis, mate, he, he got the best out of him. And what was he really? He was a ten goal a season striker, and he's he's one of the legends because Allardyce got the best out of him, and that was something that Allardyce could do. He he got the best out of of what was in front of him. He was a smart manager. He, he, 
I remember in his book, I think he says something like he absolutely loved playing Arsenal because he always used to beat them. And you remember that famous scene where he's on the sidelines laughing at Arsene Wenger. Well, the reason he's laughing is because he has outsmarted Arsene Wenger. And Arsene Wenger is stamping his feet and jumping up and down and rubbing his eyes because he's get, he can't win against Allardyce. And it wasn't just the Bolton team. He had the Blackburn team, the West Ham team, the Sunderland team, the Palace team. They were all good teams. Obviously, I managed to bring Crystal Palace into this again. <laughs> They've had all good teams. That Newcastle situation, he was a little bit unfortunate there. I think Freddie Shepard hired him and Mike Ashley took over and sacked him. And I think he was just a little bit unlucky. And there was a rumour that Mike Ashley maybe tried to get him back. Um, but he always got another job. And it wasn't just like it was a, over two or three seasons. It was over big careers. And after he left every single club and took all his staff with him, all his ideas with him, they all struggled. Bolton, I think Megson took over at Bolton and they went down. Newcastle went down. Blackburn went down. Look at them now. West Ham struggled. And West Ham might have even gone down and then come back up. Sunderland, look at them now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He, he was just one of those guys that, for me, he, he deserved a, a much much better chance with England as well because that England team I think he took over in 2016 and we mentioned it on the England special a couple of weeks ago for me that England team cared more about how they looked than how they played and you could argue that Sam Allardyce he never really managed a big player but that England team didn't need someone stroking their egos they needed someone to stamp out all their problems all their issues get them back to basics and get them playing as a team and I think he would have done it. I'm not saying they'd have gone on to win the win the tournament. I'm not saying they'd have gone on to win a major tournament. But I think he would have brought his basics into the England team and laid a foundation for somebody else, possibly Southgate, to maybe then take over and take it to the next level. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see that sort of England team under him. And like I said, I wasn't very optimistic anyway, but just to see it would have been sort of interesting. Uh, and that moment, and I'm thinking when you mentioned he was laughing at Wenger, there's another moment where I think it was... Uh, Flores, I think it was, or, or I can't remember the defender's name, but dived right in front of yeah. him. Yeah. And he's literally just... Swansea. Yes, yeah. And he's literally just laughing at him. And there was another moment that springs to mind in a press conference where Jose Mourinho was kicking off about how Sam Allardyce parked the bus and uh, Chelsea couldn't beat, I think it was his Bolton team. And he's literally just laughing and, and saying, I knew he couldn't take it. Um, he couldn't care less what Mourinho thinks. He's basically outdone him. And he, and he has. Look at Mourinho, how many times he parks the bus and all the sort of tactics. Mm-hmm. He should have given credit to Allardyce when he did that. And, um, yeah. and yeah, no, he's, um, he's in for a shout with, as, a, as a great Premier League manager. But I don't think we can put him up there with... Uh, don't get me wrong, he never had a big Premier League team. If he was given a chance, maybe we'd be talking about him in the sort of same sentence, maybe not as Ferguson because he, he sort of stands on his own, but definitely with his sort of, of Pep and Klopp, potentially, if he was given a chance, it would have been nice to sort of see what, what he could have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was just going to mention as well, that there's a few names that, that sort of have to go in there. Uh, and I mean this with as the, the least amount of disrespect as possible, but Wenger deserves a mention. Um, he's mm-hmm. sort of a poor man's Fergie in a way. He got so much out of a an average team. Some of the, the lineups that I've looked back at, some of the teams he had were so poor. And Champions League football is such a big thing now. Teams are pushing for Champions League football. They're just trying to get top four. Just want to get... He would consistently get Champions League football with Arsenal and they would not mm-hmm. they, they recruit I think the big difference for him and Fergie in terms of, of sort of a fair playing field was 
Man United's recruitment was better. The Rooney, the Cristiano Ronaldo, the Nani, Tevez, Berbatov, and, and Fergie still had that backbone of the skulls and the gigs uh, coming through as well, um, sort of staying around as well. So I just think maybe if, I don't know, Armory and Vieira stayed at Arsenal and just to see the youngsters through, it might have been a different sort of dynamic. Um, obviously, Jose Mourinho is a massive, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I love what he does. I'm, I'm in the middle of that Tottenham documentary at the moment and it's, it's really good to see how he he sort of deals with the team tactically, team talks, their training. It's really interesting to see and I've got a lot of time for Mourinho. Um, and obviously, I think Pep deserves a mention. He, he managed that City team that got to 100 points and there was a lot of um, sort of criticism about him when he first came in because I think his first season, am I right in saying he finished fourth or fifth with Man City? Um, mm-hmm. then got like £200 million on fullbacks, which, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, okay, fair enough. But fullbacks don't reinvent a team, but he really did take that City team and he did what he does everywhere. At Barcelona, Bayern Munich, he, he's a winner and, and they, they play good football as well. Um, Klopp, I think, deserves a mention. Liverpool are so good to watch at the minute and I hate saying that, but if they're on TV, I will want to watch them. They, I mean, they've got, they're playing... Um, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing uh, Leeds um, Saturday, half past five. Um, I think, obviously, when this goes out, that will actually be tomorrow, which is interesting. Um, and that game, I can't wait for. Premier League's back. Uh, the winners of the Premier League versus the winners of the Championship. Um, and, yeah, it's just going to be dead interesting to watch. And another one I wanted to mention as well, not for just being in the Premier League, but he came back and won it. Uh, it's Claudio Ranieri. He was Chelsea manager for a few years. Everyone loved him. He's great personality. Um, tactically was really good and some would say unfairly got replaced by Mourinho when Abramovich came in but Abramovich come in and wanted to do things his own way and you can't fault the guy the way he manages Chelsea people don't agree with it some people do a lot of players on loan changes managers all the time but Chelsea are always in or around there and every now and again they'll win the Premier League and push for Champions League so you can't really fault him but to come back and win it with Leicester um a massive amount of credit there. You took a team that was fighting relegation to literally winning it the following season. And I think we've mentioned Leicester before, but probably one of the best sporting achievements in football in any way that I think I'll ever see. Um, just mm-hmm. just on the managers, Matt, I don't suppose you've got any thoughts on, this is just a bit of a random question, but who you think sort of will be the first to go next season? Are there any managers there that you think maybe, I don't know, are starting the season on sort of a gesture of goodwill and shouldn't really be in the job based on a bad end to last year or have you got any thoughts on who might be the first to go or managers that might be sort of at risk early on? I think it'll be Mourinho. Mourinho? Yeah. Okay. I think Tottenham will not start as well as he expects them to and I think he'll be under pressure quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at looking at the teams now I've got down and I mean, Mourinho does jump out a little bit because, like we spoke about, he's under a lot of pressure. If things don't go well, that pressure is going to build very quickly. Um, so that could that could be an interesting one. I know a few people have mentioned Oli. If it wasn't for Bruno, he he should be in the job anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how Man United do. But I think he's got that sort of leeway with the fans and he'll, he'll get a little bit more time naturally anyway just because of who he is and, and what he did for the club. Um I think Brendan Rodgers is an interesting one because he had a great start with Leicester, 
And post-lockdown, they were 11 points clear in third place and they finished outside the top four. They had a massive mm-hmm. drop-off and, yeah, a couple of injuries. But, I mean, Chilwell, for example, they've sold him. He's gone. So, injured or not, he's not there. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how Leicester sort of do. Um, but just looking down the list, man, I can't really... There's no other managers that jump out where I think a bad start would see you under pressure instantly and potentially being replaced straight away. So I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a really good season, but I think Mourinho's a decent shout. Um, do you want to move on to the questions? Yeah, yeah, go on then. Lovely. Yeah, go. Um, so there's three teams that sort of had nicknames of what they achieved for the season. So you've got the the 99 Manchester United team, the 2003-2004 Arsenal team, and I think it was the 2017 Manchester City team that finished on 100 points. Um, can you name the sort of what they've been sort of branded as? Is it class of 92? Okay, no. <laughs> is, is that not it? No. For Man United? No. That's... Not on about Man City or Arsenal? <laughs> uh, no. That's not it's it? It's not it, no. Well, okay, I would have called them that. So I'd probably get half a point for that. Okay. Uh, then it was the um, the Invincibles at Arsenal because no one could see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then the Man City one. I, I, I don't know that one. I ain't got a clue. Okay, um, so the '99 Manchester United team are, are known as the the treble winners. Um, but class of '92 were in there, so we'll give you half a point. But yeah, they noted as the sort of not being funny, but the class of '92 is a lot cooler name than the treble winners. Yeah, but it's the '99 team, the, the treble, the treble winning team. Uh, obviously, the Invincibles, the Arsenal team. And the Manchester City team that won the 100 points are called the Centurions. So the reason that came up, oh, okay. Sky Sports... Never would have got that. No, it's, Sky Sports did a piece on it where live, this Liverpool team, they were still in the FA Cup Champions League at the time, they were still unbeaten and they were still on rec- they were still on target to beat that 100 points. So there was a bit of talk that this Liverpool team could do what the treble winners did, the Invincibles and the Centurions all in one season, which would have made me physically sick Thankfully, they haven't done either. They didn't hit the hundred points. They didn't go unbeaten, and they definitely didn't win the didn't win the treble. But um, yeah, have you got a question? Question or two for me? Yeah, yeah. So I worked this out earlier. I could be wrong because honestly, I don't know what was up with me earlier when I was looking at the league on this. But this took me probably about six attempts to get right, and I'm still not sure I've got it right. Okay. Okay. So out of everyone that's managing in the Premier League at the moment, obviously there's twenty managers. Uh-huh. 20 teams can't manage a team twice um, how many nationalities are represented oh that's a good one um, it's a good one I thought about myself there's no Google in this I thought about myself okay um, can I have in fact I'll, I'll read it off as I'm doing it so it'll be interesting for people to sort of listen so uh, I'll do it in the order I've got my team so you've got the Spanish manager guard oh no you can't do that no. you can't do that you got to just do a just name because just... that's what I, this is what that, that, we'll be here all night mate that's what it took me six times I'm still not sure I've got it right okay uh, 13 no. no I'll give you a clue it's a single digit number I think <laughs> 8 9 9 okay okay lovely it is 9 um, it is a question for yeah. you um, this, this one I did uh, I did look up and think of this myself uh, well, apparently there were only ever two Premier League players th- to score penalties in the Premier League with both feet who are they? Um, Letizia? Nope okay how many guesses do I get? just two yeah um 
and he was a quite extravagant penalty taker. I'm going to go with... Drogba? Nope. No, okay. It was Oberfemi Martins. Okay. And uh, Bobby Zamora. And Bobby Zamora as well. Okay. Um, Bobby Z. Right, perfect. Bear with me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've only got eight nationalities in the... Oh, in fact, who's the West Brom manager? It's, it's Bilic, isn't it? Croatian. That's it. Yeah, yeah there you go, mate. It, mate yeah. is. I've, I've got nine as well. If, if that's incorrect, by the way, listeners, somebody let us know because uh, we've both worked out nine. If we've both got it drastically wrong, then that's quite embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it Makes Matt, a point that two men in their 30s can't count to nine. Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, no, but have you got anything else um, on that or are you good to wrap this one up? No, no, that's cool. Okay, perfect, lovely. Um, obviously, we'll get the next one done in a few days. This will be published on the Friday for you guys. So the Premier League's kicking off tomorrow, exciting times. And uh, next episode is going to be on the following Tuesday. All right, thanks everyone. See you later.